This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Thank you for listening to the Covert Nerd Podcast. I really appreciate the time that you give me. Before we get into the episode, if you can think of somebody that would like this topic that you're about to listen to, please pause the podcast and share it with them. You can also go to covertnerd.net and look at previous episodes and different ways that you can get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Without further ado, let's dive right in and nerd it up. We got more 90s action, everybody, and we've got our our great cast of, of 90s nerds here, Al and Ben from Omug Comics, the creators and uh, directors of Lenny Vernon, right? I guess who's the who's the creator and who's the director? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, officially, Al created Lenny Vernon. It yeah. came from his his brain soup. So his brain his brain soup. <laughs> <laughs> what flavor of soup is your brain, Al? Oh, it's a uh, it's a gazpacho. <laughs> it's a gazpacho. <laughs> yeah. See, I was uh, I was thinking like New England clam chowder. Oh no, no, there's no seafood. <laughs> no seafood. So I like cold chilled tomato. Today we're going to do another slice of 90s comics and we're, we picked limited series because there was a, a lot of limited series, series, I don't know if that's how you say it, but a, yes. lot, of, a lot, yeah, <laughs> we need Kim here. As, as the editor of the comics, I say that's correct. Oh, okay, yeah. Ben is the official grammarian of the uh, of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, limited series. We picked two of our favorites, our favorites from the the '90s. We're going to discuss those, but first, we like to test Al's Al's brain, or, or as Ben put, his soup brain. Al's That's soup right. brain, gazpacho. <laughs> of who's the artist? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Al, are you ready to guess the artist? We'll give you a cover. Man, listen, the last time there were softballs. All right. Okay. This time, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely nervous. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I didn't know some of these, but I'm not the expert like you are. So you, you'll probably get these, but so we'll, we'll get you going here. All right. So first one, I'll give you the cover and then you can name the artist here. As soon as that, there we go. Oh, that's uh, that's Mark Bagley. Yeah, I just realized the uh, the name is down in the corner. That was my bad. Yeah, but it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was Peter Parker's face that tipped me off. And uh, in the '90s, Mark Bagley was on The Amazing Spider-Man for a long time. He was the he took over directly after Eric Larson. Oh, okay, okay. Well, after he left for Image. Yeah, when Eric Larson yep. went off to Image, that's when Bagley stepped in, and yeah, he was Did good. It. Yeah, great artist. What what are his some of his defining earmarks? I guess um, the face and his uh, his musculature. Okay. The, okay. the the way he does the human faces, and then just the the way he constructs Spidey. He's got some amazing calves there, doesn't he? Yeah. Is that is that your calves after leg week, Ben? I think those are just Ben's calves every day. Every day. Oh, that's Ben's calves yeah. every day. Okay. All right. All right. Next one. So that yeah, Mark Bagley. Here we go. <laughs> Another Spider-Man. Uh, that looks like John Romita Jr. I believe so. Yep. <laughs> Off to a good start. So he's a little more grainy, I guess, or at least in this one. He's yeah, more, more rough. Yeah, he's more blocky. 
Yeah. His fingers tend to be a little bit more stiff and and squared off. Yeah. He, he draws feet. He does oh. draw feet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one. Last. I only did three. Okay. Oh man, you went DC on me. Uh, and you blocked out the name, man. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's a tough one. But that is—I'm gonna guess Bolland. This Brian is Bolland. Jim Paro. Damn it. Yeah, I—you've mentioned him before, so he's—he's he's done a lot of stuff. I think so. Yeah, he was big. A lot of Batman. I think he was a DC yeah, guy. I I didn't really do a lot of DC stuff myself, though, so I wasn't really yeah. studying with DC artists. That's so that was my that was not the softball. So there we go. But you got two out of yeah. three. So excellent, yeah, that's not bad. excellent, that's excellent. Yeah, definitely. Well, good job, Al. Thanks. We'll give you eight thousand covert nerd coins. So spend them where you want. <laughs> Fifteen thousand more, and I can get a pencil from the gift shop there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll treat it. We'll treat it like the. Yeah, the arcade gift shops. <laughs> right. So right. you have a you have a million you have a million tickets and they give you like a pencil top eraser. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not guaranteeing the value of covert nerd coins. They're, they're like uh, bitcoins, you know, it's all over the place. It just changes. Right. But they're so. still more valuable than Argentinian currency. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it is it is it <laughs> it's in Argentina? Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we'll start with you, Al. You want to go with one of your one of your first picks? Yeah. So I went with uh, with Kingdom Come. Okay. This one here, and I think uh, so. Confession: I didn't actually read this in the '90s. I knew of it. I'd heard of it, and I'd always wanted to snag it. I just never got my hands on it. Uh, I didn't come across actually reading this and getting this until about like ten years ago. Actually, mm -hmm. I went to a uh, a local drink and draw event, and I won a contest and won this. Oh um, wow! Yeah, I drew like a Scooby Doo parody, and they offered me this prize. Anyway, you know, this was one of those things. Like I said, in the '90s, you always knew about it, and especially as an artist, I always, you know, Alex Ross, yeah, was everywhere, and you had to see, you had to acknowledge Alex Ross because you know he'd also. I was debating too about whether or not to do the Marvels run uh, that he did, but. This one was always so iconic just because you had the gray haired Superman with the, you know, the black mm -hmm. logo. And there's yeah. a lot yeah. of great visuals that came out of this. And like, oh, this one, this visual here, this cover. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's good stuff. And um, I remember reading this uh, when I did get it and I'm, I was impressed by the story. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a fun read. If you, you know, press me now, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't memorable in that regard but i can remember you know and talk about all the different visuals and you know the the great things that alex ross did throughout but it was a bit dystopian if i oh if yeah i do that yeah superman had enough and they, they did do fun things with captain marvel yes he was movie. being manipulated by lex luthor yes Yep. And he was no longer, he was just always Captain Marvel. They thought, or it was Billy Batson had grown up and yeah. Yeah. It takes place, you know, like 20 years in the future or 30 years in the future, something like that. Yeah. But the, the cover with the reflection in the pool, I kind of earned the, the table or whatever. That's pretty awesome. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. We've got Shazam. Well, they, they because they leaned into uh, the Shazam versus Superman. Because, you know, I mean, that, that was one of the things that, 
caused problems early on uh, back in the 30s because they were accusing, you know, Shazam and Superman were being compared and they were accusing one of ripping off the other and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that and was so, DC just bought him. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it was nice to, to see them lean into it, that it was just basically, you know, Superman with a, with a child's mind um, and just have the two square off against each other. So that was, that was fun. But yeah, like I said, I don't really remember much of the story. It was the art that, that got me hooked. And That is some great art. Yeah. It like, it almost looks like, like watercoloring. Like well, it's, it's all to... painted. Yeah. Yeah. It's all painted. It's all, That's kind of Alex Ross's style is mm-hmm. he just does paints essentially they have all the the future heroes and you know what's left of them and batman's kind of semi-retired the heroes have kind of disappeared they've locked all the i think they locked all the villains in kansas in some big prison i think was the deal right but uh, the specter makes a visit it's it's a fun yeah i would agree the the art overshadows the the story in my opinion mark wade Mark Wade wrote yeah. it, I believe. Yep. It's excellent. I would say I, I too didn't discover this until the late or early two thousands. I think I picked up a trade paperback of it. I think that's how it came out in anyway, wasn't it? No, it was, it was a issue run. Was it? A, oh, okay. I thought it was yeah, just yeah. a full collection. But it okay. was one of those, it was one of those prestige books that DC did. Uh, at the yes. time so if you were in if you're going into your local comic shop to pick up you know your monthly batman and spider-man this was going to cost probably you know 50 cents more mm-hmm. and oh, it was yeah. a more limited run but yeah it's a fun book i i'd still recommend it today to anybody it's oh, just absolutely it's alex ross i mean you can't go wrong it's just right how does so as detailed as he is their artists struggle drawing i guess air quotes the regular way but how does he make deadlines with how detailed and how intricate his his art is i wonder with alex ross he's not doing a monthly book that's true him on to say for the next you know two years you're going to be the batman artist it's they sign him on in you know today in may of 2022 and they say okay in 2024 is when the first issue is going to hit the stands (laughs) of four and by then he's got most of them done okay so he gets yeah yeah he's not they're just gonna they're gonna plot it out originally and say this is gonna be a four issue you know like this is a four issue book okay so here's your here's your year time frame to get it done that's the contract what he does because he's so good he can get away with i'll i make the deal so to speak yeah yeah okay yeah okay now maybe of course he's always drawn like this but maybe that's just he was so good early on he could kind of dictate yeah, well, what he's going to do gotta, you're going to negotiate with the editors and you know they have to keep it reasonable so sure. he's going to tell the editors look here's how long it's going to take me to do you know a page let alone a book so okay. if you want it in this style we can do it but here's the parameters and his books are always a premium price so that's probably kind yeah. of the the offset that they do is like, look, this guy's art is way better than anybody else's. We're going to slap, right. you know, this was normally three ninety five. We're going to charge four ninety five, five ninety five for this issue. And they've got so many other traditional books that they're selling on the shelves to subsidize the extra cost they're putting into this. So yeah, yeah, but he's always, always been excellent at just the painting style. It's so unique. 
I don't know if there's anybody else out there that draws like this, do they? There's a couple that um Oh, okay. There's certainly a handful that have that have done the painting. Um they don't usually do full books. I think that you know, like Joe Jusco may have okay. done a, tried a full book like this, but not uh not like Alex Ross ever did. So they're just do covers typically. They do yeah, covers and pinups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was probably one of the first, wasn't he, to do this well, no. Is it Boris Vihevo or whatever his name was? He he kind of drew Vigevo, this stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was yeah. I mean there was a there were a handful and you get the Hildebrandt brothers. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's that's a great image there. Yeah. Um there's there's oh, been wow. quite a few painters uh over the years, but Alex Ross was better at marketing and you know, and he bounced back and forth and did because he would do the full books like you know with marvels it was also a four issue run i think this was after marvels yeah this would have been after marvels yep i think marvels so, was mid 90s and this was late 90s i think yeah so, yeah just a excellent excellent art and a, a decent story i mean it's probably it's not the fun. best not the best story out there in the world but it's still very good very very good yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, because even if if you're reading along and you get lost or you get bored with the story, you can still just flip through and just take in all the amazing visuals. Yeah, and they stick with some of the iconic DC characters. So even if you're yeah. semi-new, you're going, you may not recognize all of them, but you're going to recognize your Superman, your Batman, your Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, yeah. you know, kind of your, your staple, your A-team, so to speak. Yeah. So even if you're a mild DC fan, you'll, you're still recognize, you know, Lex Luthor is the villain, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So. And this, you know, and this was definitely, definitely nineties. Cause they were, they got the art, you know, the, the art was huge. There was a huge emphasis on the art then, but it was also dark and dystopian. Yes. <laughs> not your normal, <laughs> not your normal DC tended to be more positive, I guess for lack of a better word, but yeah, this is yeah. very dark. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. bright and hope and yeah. Yes, yeah. Hope and future. They have I've kind of forgot about this. They have this whole genealogy in here because we go in the future so you're seeing some of the the kids of the heroes and kids of yeah. the villains. Oh wow. I kind of forgot about this. They really dug deep into this blood descendant evolution of the same person. Oh wow. Huh. Interesting. I always liked when when they did stuff like that in the books. Just you know, it, it's completely unnecessary, but just for fun, just to you know, when you got to see that stuff. Like, oh, this person was actually but, this person's kid, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've, you... I've always liked when they give that little extra tidbit of of info like that, the like the family trees or whatever. Well, and it's did... nice when they put them in something like this that you know more people are going to get their hands on, as opposed to having to go out and get one of those encyclopedias. Yeah. You know, Marvel would always put out like the guide to the Marvel universe. Like I didn't want to buy that. It was like 10, 15 bucks. I could buy a lot more comics. Like I really don't I've got like three. Yeah. I've got like three of them. You, you have them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, I'm I not going to buy that. Ben's like, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the Ben Crane investment opportunities. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's, we should just change this uh, this string of episodes to, you know, Ben Crane's retirement plan. 
Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to nineties comics. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to give away give away the secret right away. Now listen, when you're seventy four and you're still working, you might think, I don't know if that's <laughs> you just gotta stick with it. It's right? a long just, it's a long game. It. Look, trust every system. three or every three or four decades it goes up by fifty cents, so you'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, by the time you're hundred and forty seven, you'll understand. Yeah. You, you'll pay the payoff off. will be here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you just ignore your initial investment, it looks like you're making money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah, you, you read this too, didn't you, Ben? Or d- does uh, it... You know, I don't think I've ever fully read it. I think it's okay. one of those that, like, I've maybe picked up a an issue here or there, just kind of like okay. glanced through it, and kind of the same thing like Al said, just kind of like flipped through it and went, "Wow, this is really cool. This looks really awesome," but never actually read the word bubbles. Bought it. Yeah, yeah. You can. <laughs> You can get away with it in this because the art tells, he does such a good job with the art telling the story. You can yep. kind of just look at the, look at the frames and be just fine. Oh, they have this keys yeah, to the, so character annotations and notes. So they have pages and pan. I don't remember the, of course this is the 20th anniversary edition I have pulled up. So it's a little different and they might've added some more in this. Right. I say added a bunch of extra stuff in there. Yeah, ancillary stuff. When they want you to buy it for the third or fourth time, they try to get you a little bit more stuff in there. Yep, you're exactly right. This is a marketing thing. We'll pull in some extra art, (laughs) these little keys. It's like all the... It, it's the Blade Runner of comic books. You're like, oh, we added three pages, so you're going to want to buy it again. Again, yes. This is interesting. We added four panels, so... Keystone City in the background. Oh, okay. So yeah, you can go back and look at all the little Easter eggs that they put in there, and they explain what what they are. Huh. Okay. That's kind of cool. All right. Well, I definitely recommend this to anybody. It's worth the uh, worth picking up the trade and and checking it out for sure. Yeah. So. All right, Ben. What do you got for us? Step five of the Ben Craig retirement plan <laughs> is uh, the Sabretooth Death Hunt uh, limited series released in 1993. Uh, it was just a, a four-run, four-book run of just this you know quick story of, of Sabretooth who uh, gets kidnapped. He gets kidnapped by, uh, crap, can't remember the guy's name. I literally just read this this morning, and I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> was it uh, Craven? Craven the Hunter? Was it? No, 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 no. no. Not okay. even. It was. Uh, so he gets kidnapped by by these guys. He gets sold out by his uh, his assistant. Uh, he gets kidnapped, and they uh, they hire him because he's an assassin. They kidnap him and hire him, quote unquote, hire uh, <laughs> him to kill Mystique. And to make sure he does it, they implant a like uh, in true '90s fashion a hyperthermite bomb in his chest. Oh. So he has 48 hours to complete his mission, and then the bomb's going to go off. You know, he's he's a it's a race against the clock. He's got to hunt down Mystique, uh, but in doing so, he finds out that spoiler alert: him and Mystique have a past together. But since she's a shapeshifter, she was obviously in a different form. Even bigger spoiler alert: the guy who hired him is their son. Ooh. Oh, okay. And he's upset at them because. Uh, they abandoned him well mystique did uh Sabretooth had run off already by the time the kid was born and mystique abandoned him because she wanted to continue being a, a cold war spy 
and uh, so he's not happy that he got abandoned so his and he's not a mutant so he hates mutants too because mutants abandoned him and he's not one of them so his solution is get his dad to kill his mom and then blow up his dad with a thermite bomb it does not it it does not work Sabretooth, of course wins because in this one oddly enough he's the hero sure but this was i remember buying this uh again uh, it hook, line, and sinker. I swear to God, even to this day, if you tell me it's a limited series, I'm probably going to buy it, thinking that it's going to be worth money. Right. <laughs> well, so, I, I was not I was not a huge Sabretooth fan. I mean, I knew who he was, and I thought he was a cool character, but it's not like I collected his books or knew really much about him other than him and Wolverine were connected. But hey, this was a limited edition four-run series, so it was going to be worth money in the future. So I, I, uh, I had to pick it up. Another fun fact, as I was flipping through my copies here off the four originals here wow. there's one of them that has it just reminded me on the back it has the stamp of the comic shop that i had to buy number two from time warp comics oh because the original comic the original comic shop that i got it at i had him put it in my brother's uh hold box for me and he shared that hold box with a friend of his and when issue two came out his friend went huh i don't remember putting this on hold I don't have number one, but this must be mine. And he grabbed number two. Oh. <laughs> and so, so, so I got number one, never got number two. Then I got three and four. And so then later on, when I was at this other uh, comic shop that was in my hometown, they had number two. So I picked it up from there. So uh, I, I always remember that, that I had a four run series for like a year that I only had three of them. Uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily it was in the middle. So it wasn't like I missed the ending. I knew what happened. And so, Nice. Uh, it's pretty fun. This was uh, written by uh, Larry Hama and the uh, Mark Tashira. Did I get that Mark one Tashira, right? Yep. Yep. Yes, he did the art. Uh, yeah, you can tell. It's, uh, <laughs> as I read it this morning, I mean, it's it's not a bad story. It's a fun, just you know, from A to B kind of chase, race against time type story. But they did a lot. Larry Hama did a lot of like saber tooth dust explaining to you what's happening, like as it's happening. So the story moves very quickly. Yeah. And so it's almost like when you get to the end of it, you're like, what was the point of that whole story? <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. That he, it, it does. And the fact that he doesn't even saber tooth doesn't even like, cause it's his son doesn't even kill the guy at the end that he vowed to kill because he put this bomb in his chest. He's just like, Oh, of catch you later just you know don't cross me again it's like really dude i, I mean, forgive again, it's you your son but he just put a bomb <laughs> in your chest and tried to convince you to kill your wife and your saber tooth you. yeah and your saber tooth yeah be the bad guy which in 90s fashion again i forgot uh they they super they super enhanced him so like he's already got all of his powers but the guys kidnap him and like soup him up because they really want him to kill mystique oh and He's still just like, oh, whatever. And it's convenient for the story. Yeah, it works for the story. Yes, <laughs> but it, it, it came. It came complete with. Uh, yes, with the, show us the, the special cut. cover. Yeah, oh, the die yeah. cut cover. Nice. So the, and so inside of there is him growling at you. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was issue one, and they must have spent all their money on covers on issue one because they didn't do anything cool for the rest of them. <laughs> well you'll be but, happy to know ben this one was 295 when you bought it and it's all the way up to five dollars look See? at that that's look almost double that. your money look at that from 93 to 2022 <laughs> right yeah. so 
29 so years. When I'm, Almost doubled. So when I'm 98, this will have doubled in price if the trajectory completes. That's so. right. <laughs> I got to find this the guy. Tribune, that's what he calls himself. The Tribune. Oh, that's, okay. The baddie. Dun, dun, dun. Tribune. <laughs> so... So look at this um, on this cover here, Ben, in the lower right-hand corner. We'll take your skull and carve it into a bedpan! Exclamation point. Yeah. That's Just serious. in case you were unsure what the bad guys were gonna gonna do to Sabretooth. <laughs> bedpan. So, were, you know, hey. Yeah. That's bedpan. what I always. That's what I always want. Not Just like a hanging not like around a cup or an ashtray or you know a, a bedpan. <laughs> a bedpan. Yeah, you have indoor plumbing. An ashtray would be more useful. <laughs> I <Right>? know. <laughs> I, I so, happen to see that. Or the, you know, the, the you use it like as the bowl that you put your keys in next to the front door. Yeah, yeah. right. A candy dish. Candy. I'd rather yeah, have candy. that than a bedpan. <laughs> right. Sabertooth skull candy dish. <laughs> yeah. That's where you keep all your Worthers. Yeah, yeah. Your Worthers <laughs> caramels. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Sabertooth is old enough to be carrying Worthers around. Yes. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I, I I liked about this, and what reminded me when I read it, what reminded me why I didn't like, among other things, why I didn't like the portrayal of Sabretooth in the very first X Men movie, is because he's a world class top assassin, super smart. Yes, he's got his feral animal instincts about him, but he's super smart, and he's a, an assassin. At one point, he's like a head of an assassin guild, and then in the movie, they reduce him to just like grunting and growling and and yeah. telling Halle Berry to scream. It's like, yeah. ugh, moron. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I get it. He's a big brute, but he's he's a he's a smart big brute. So, uh, like I said, as I read through this, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I really didn't like kind of garbage as it is now. Yeah. That I remember specifically when they introduced Sabretooth. I was like, cool. And then he has like no. He has like no lines. I don't, I don't know. That he says one word, does he? Yeah. He at one point and he tells uh, Storm, "You owe me a scream" or something like that. That's right. Yeah. When they first meet up in the train station, he says "scream," but she manages to get away. And then at the end, when they're fighting, he says, "You owe me a scream," and then she like hits him with a lightning bolt or makes it rain on him or something. So, yeah, yeah it was too reductive because you're right. In the comics, he was a good. He was a good foil to Wolverine because he was just as smart. And at one point, they'd had a history together of being in the military and being in like mercenaries together. Right. And they're but both he, part of Weapon X. Yeah. They both had the feral side, but he was much larger and uh, yeah. you know, knew all of Wolverine's tricks because he wasn't uh, reduced to a growling moron. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, is like he uh, originally, uh, Chris Claremont, when he created Sabretooth, he originally was, his plan was to have him actually eventually turn out to be uh, Sabretooth's dad. But then writers later on down the road kind of changed and contradicted that, so it never fully came about, which uh, when asked, uh, Claremont's is kind of like, yeah, whatever, that's cool, as long as they have their history. But that's kind of one of the reasons like they always fight each other, like anytime they're near each other, they just decide to fight. Yeah. And and for a while there, like, uh, Sabretooth would constantly... Uh, on Wolverine's birthday would hunt him down and just like beat the crap out of him just to like prove to him like, Hey, I can find you and hurt you if I want to. And then just leave. Wouldn't <laughs> and just leave. Like, yeah. that's annual, that, that's his annual tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like no matter where Wolverine is, Sabretooth just finds him on his birthday and just beats the crap out of him, like almost killing him. And then just like, 
All right, see you next year, pal. Kind of like, like a Wiley Coyote and the Sheepdog. Yeah, he's like a thousand miles away doing something else. He's like, oh man, listen, tomorrow's the twelfth. I got to bounce. I got a thing. Right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's he's scrolling Facebook. He's like, oh, it's Wolverine's birthday today. Damn, oh, crap! I gotta go I find got, him. I gotta hop on a plane. I go find that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you get for your birthday? I got my butt kicked. <laughs> right. I got stalked. I got, I got stalked. stalked and yeah. Almost killed by a guy who might be my dad, but he's not really. So. Whatever. So that I didn't know the connection with Sabretooth and Mystique. Was it they were married or couple or whatever? Yeah, so in in this series, they've they've done it a couple other times, but in this series, uh she was a they were both a part of like an elite team, covert spies during the Cold War. And he uh she has taken the shape of someone else, obviously, and he goes to extract her and then as they're hanging out waiting to get out of west germany there they hook up and whatever and then she disappears and ends up well he thinks she died and then through all this they they find each other again and he's like and she reveals what happened and so and then it just ends kind of you know you know isn't nightcrawler and they're friends again it's just part of the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh funny isn't uh, nightcrawler her kid or something like that I, i'm i'm not up on the the early yeah. X Men lore, yeah. Night Nightcrawler is her is her son. I don't remember who the who the dad was though. That's, that's why I was I was like, well, maybe that's Nightcrawler's dad is is Sabretooth, but maybe not. That was it was Gene from accounting. Gene from accounting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, but this so. was this was a fun. It was a fun book. I, I like I said, I just reread it this morning, and other than like. Like I said, the dialogue just like explaining to you what's going on, which it's like, if I just looked at the pictures, I would know what's going on. I don't need Wolverine to be like, I'm going to fight you guys now and tear you to pieces. And then the next panel, he's tearing them to pieces. It's like, I, yeah, I, didn't, I, don't, need that, but okay. I didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a little bit of a weak writing on the, on the writer's part, I guess, or the writer bit. and the artist, maybe not clicking. So I suppose that can happen. <laughs> Jesse, <laughs> why did you say that name? <laughs> so overall, it was a fun book, you know. Yeah. It's, and the artwork, the artwork is is good, and it's just, you know, it was just fun to read, and just some of the cool, some of the cool action sequences, and it, it was pure '90s with the cutout cover and the limited edition, and yep. you know, like I said, it just it hit all of all of the right marks uh, for me to invest in my retirement plan here. Exactly. <laughs> Now it looks good. All right. Go to the next one here. I picked Aliens versus Predator. Ooh. By Ooh. Dark Horse Comics. And I forgot about this one. Yeah, this is a fun book. I picked it up shortly after it came out. And when Image hadn't started yet. So like, oh, there's this whole independent universe that's not marvel or not dc and allows blood and swearing and just totally different different stories so dark horse picked up the ip for aliens and predator and came up with this idea to put them together and that's where they the whole aliens versus predator concept came up back in 88 or 89 i can't remember exactly when it when it came out it's a logical pairing yeah yeah, right. <laughs> it it makes sense, but uh, it uh, it was something that uh, the movie, if you remember, Predator Two, came up with that 
or put this idea in there as well. We the, the skull, yep. the skull, skull on the background. Let's see if I can find it here. Yeah. So yep, the xenomorph yep. skull on the xenomorph background. Xenomorph skull on his trophy case. So that's where they copied that. I thought Dark Horse copied the movie, but it was the other way around. The movie copied the comic book because it oh. came out before the movie came out. So I guess it was in a in a boardroom, you know, typical artist meeting, writers meeting, coming up with stuff. That's where where this concept came came up. And yeah. so I thought it was kind of a cool idea. But yeah, Dark Horse had this franchise for 30 years. Being a newer independent company, they needed they needed something to to print. You know, they're not like Marvel where they've got 40 years of archives they can go back to and come up with new stories and new characters, things like that. And so they, they right. picked this one up and ran with it for about 30 years. This one came out in, let's see, June of 1990. Phil Norwood did the pencils and Randy Stradley did the, uh, the, uh, the writing. He did a lot of Predator and Star Wars comics for Dark Horse as well. Star Wars was another staple for Dark Horse there yep. for a lot of years. When they, and they had RoboCop too. I think they RoboCop, did like RoboCop. Terminator. Ran, Terminator yeah. was another one. I had some of the Terminator comics as well. I mean, they had all See, Dark sorts Horse of... had a lot of like well-known IPs, but not necessarily comic IPs. Right. Yes. Yes. So they they hit the ground running with this one because they ran Alien versus Predator or Aliens versus Predator for years and years and years. The story on this one was the the aliens or the colonists were on this planet. They were raising these cattle-like creatures called or the planet was called Ryushi, and the animals called Rhinthin were basically cattle. And they didn't know the colonists didn't know that. Ryushi is a hunting planet for the predators. So every year, every few years, they would come to the planet and the young predators had to go through their rite of passage and kill the aliens. Well, they didn't know that the colonists were there and the alien infected all of the cattle and the, the alien gave them a queen egg. So they were able to make another colony. And of course, Chaos ensues because the the colonists are caught between the fight between the aliens and predators, and it's a it's a fun story, especially at the time for me. I was like, "What a great idea! Put these yeah. two together." I mean, who who doesn't like, especially when you're young, a teenage kid likes the aliens and predator concept and just right. blood and gore and just all that goes together. <laughs> uh, very very well drawn very dark horse always at least to me always seemed to have this similar art style kind of i don't know maybe dystopian or i don't know what you want to call it but they all seem to have there's a give me liberty was another one written by frank miller and his art is similar to this but it seems to be always a little gritty and very colorful this one is very colorful tells a fun story now I love the aliens versus predator concept, but I don't know in my, now this is just my opinion. Once you've read one of these, you've kind of got the concept for the rest of them. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's... Well, wasn't it this, this series though, like they started doing things and it might've been a different one, but I thought it was this one that like, they started doing things where the, the aliens would like take on the characteristics of like whatever, 
animal or being that the, the face hugger attached it to. So like, you know, if it, you know, attached itself to like a, a rhinoceros when the alien came out, it would have like rhino type armor and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that's kind of one of the ways they tried to keep it different. It was like, it's not just the same xenomorph. Like this one has, it's like a cheetah and this one's like yes. a grizzly bear. And it's like, Oh, okay. That came out in the alien three movie that that concept. So yeah, this doesn't have that, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Later on, that was a way to kind of add some different elements to it. But still, I loved this one, especially at the time. But yeah, you know, the idea of, of the, the long game for this, in my opinion, I got several of them. I, got, I collected the Predator comics too. But again, it's kind of the same, same thing over and over again. But, uh, but still, this one, at least for the first, very good. Very good art, very good story, especially for the time. Uh, of course, they have to eventually, you know, destroy the colony. The hero, the the lady, I forgot her name, uh, Nigashi or something is her name. Let me see if I can find her name. Um, Michiko. Michiko is the leader of the colony. She befriends one of the predators and becomes one of their clan because she helps one of the predator leaders. And so she gets accepted by the predators. And I think she appears later in some other predator comics as well. But, uh, but yeah, oh, they have the map of the colony. That was kind of a cool thing to put put in the back to kind of give you an idea of what's, what's what and where is everything at. And One thing I'm curious about is, so in the, you know, the Stan, Stanley always had the, the philosophy of if you're going to have Hulk fight Thor, you can't have a winner. Because oh. if Hulk wins, you're just going to alienate the Thor fans and vice versa. You, you know, it always has to end in a draw. Yeah. So you can showcase both of their powers and abilities, but you can't have a winner so as not to alienate a fan and to keep everybody guessing for next time. So do they do that? Do they follow that rule in this? Or is it, no, Predator clearly wins. He's just to smoke the aliens. Don't yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, at the end, so all of the aliens on the planet are dead. And only one, uh, no, actually, yeah, all of the Predators, because the, the leader of the Predator clan dies in the very end. So, yeah, they wipe them all out at the end but we know what's that so the humans win the humans win yeah there's only one machiko is the only one left drawing that they both lose yeah (laughs) but we all know that there's there's a planet full of predators and you know aliens are everywhere so in this battle you can kill them all and you're still gonna have them right well it's kind of like at the the end of the alien versus predator movie that was okay at best the the predators win, quote unquote. They kill all the aliens off, but at the very end, there's a a chestburster that comes out of one of the the dead predators. So you're like, oh, yep. it's a tie. Yes, it's kind of like the uh, the end of Freddy versus Jason, where, where Jason he's has, carrying the head. Yeah, he's got and he like Freddy winks at you or whatever. Right. It's like no, no, no. Yeah. Jason didn't win. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so yeah. It's 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 a fun it's a fun out. story. And I think it's it's worth a read, especially if you like the Alien versus Predator, Alien or Predator franchise. Uh, they yeah. they ran with it for a long time. Twenty five different Alien versus Predator stories and collections. Uh, so it was very well or very well, I guess received. If they're doing it doing it that much, I'm curious what the numbers are. Like what what are the stats? Right, like. Humans yeah. 23, Predators 2, <laughs> Aliens 1. Yeah. 
<laughs> who wins in 30 years the predators are 25 0 and 0 yes the aliens yes. are the washington generals of this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> excuse me i guess i was wrong uh machiko does survive and then a few of the colonists get on a ship and go to one of the the space stations in space so, but they had an alien on that ship, though. They took yeah, an alien with them, right? Yeah, probably. probably. No, I don't. <laughs> as far as I know, they didn't. But so, kind of the concept. I forgot to mention that the alien or predators purposely put the aliens on a planet, just the eggs. But yeah. one of the when they get the eggs from the queen, the queen put in a, a queen egg. So they took the queen egg in this case to the or found one of the the cattle and they put all the cattle in this big pin and so they were able to make a colony from from that one so the oh, alien yeah. kind of outsmarted them it's smart though right for the predators i mean it's sporting yeah you know yeah. there's no point in going to the planet and just hunting the the livestock you know it's like where's the fun of that that's harvesting you gotta you gotta make it but, fun yes exactly but at the same time if if you it's kind of like stocking the lake though too if you if you put the prey there it's not really hunting now, is it? Yeah. Listen, you know, they'll do that with pheasants, right? So uh, in this neck of the woods, they'll uh, they'll exactly. take a farm and they'll get the, the pheasants there. And then the guys will pay money to come in. I mean, the yep. pheasants are still doing what pheasants do. You know, there's still some right, but, sport to it. But is, but is it, is it, I say, is it sporting that when in like, you know, a thousand square feet you got like a hundred pheasants like that's not really sporting right like you, you say you're saying this is the equivalent of uh putting the pile of corn at the the base of your deer stand <laughs> right yeah exactly like, well, i'm out in the wild i'm hunting oh look a yeah. deer just happens to be here yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's, look at that how'd I mean... that happen <laughs> yeah so the 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 plan was not to have as many aliens they were only planning on like, you know, 50 aliens and then it turned into thousands. And so they got overrun. And so the humans and the predators had to team up to take out the there aliens. Population control, just like yes. the deer. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So every now and then you just got to go out there and wipe them out. Yeah. The guy Otherwise who wrote they eat this... all the grass. and Yeah. The guy who wrote this grew up in South Dakota. <laughs> he heard this from the <laughs> played out every year. He was a pheasant hunter. That's right. <laughs> but that's some... he worked for gaming parks in the midwest <laughs> <laughs> now this was a fun cover on issue four it was more of a painted cover i don't remember who did yeah. this one see but... i always remember it. when i think alien vs predator i always think of this cover this for some reason always sticks out has stuck out in my head uh i assume oh cover david dorman there we go well that cover is a great concept too because you got the uh the human and the predator yeah. like teamed up together and like mm -hmm. cornered with the alien yeah, got tails. All the, all the xenomorph tails coming yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great concept. And I like how they kept the the font for the alien title and the predator title and just put them together. Mm -hmm. That worked sure. really well in my opinion. So people kind of recognize that font and that style. So well, and it yeah. helps tell you that's the real deal. It's not just gonna be some knockoff, that this is what you know from the movies. Yeah. There you go. Good point. Right, yeah. 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 Here's here's characters that you're familiar with and you know about. So, which helps because then they don't have to do a whole lot of like backstory. You know who you know who and what the oh, yeah. predator is. You you know who and what the the aliens are. So you don't need to do a lot of, you know, backstory of oh no. this is what this race does. It's like yeah. no, I know because I watched the movie. I watched Arnold fight him. I know. 
You're right. Yeah. You're exactly right, Ben, because they give no background on either of these characters. They just assume you know what's going on. Well, and I mean, what's there to know? One's a predator. One's an alien. Yeah, they're both technically aliens, but that, like, you know. Well, but but ET is an alien too. So I mean, you're right. But yeah, the, it's not, it's not insulting the audience though. No, right. they're not. They're not showing the parents get killed in the alley again. Again, yes, <laughs> yes. Don't somebody, need to see the girl sitting concrete. Somebody right. was actually uh, when the Batman movie came out. I saw somebody online was complaining because they didn't explain Batman's origin, and everybody's like, "Look, if you don't know Batman's origin by now, you know we're not right. gonna. You this don't need to tell us. If, yeah, <laughs> this isn't Everybody's Batman." This isn't 1989, you know, where it was a little more obscure. We, we've seen, we've seen Peter Parker get bit by the spider. We've seen Batman's parents get shot. I mean, you know, we don't need to see it again. I, I, th- I think in every, literally every Batman movie since '89, it has been shown or referenced in some form or fashion. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. E- even like, even like in Batman, uh, Batman Returns, which was the sequel to the '89 Batman. I think they still somehow referenced it. So it's like and Batman v Superman. It was in there. They did, yeah. We went you're right. Batman v Superman at the Alamo, and before the movie, they'll show you know thirty minutes of just backstory and just related videos and vignettes right. and stuff. And there was a little thing that they pulled off of YouTube where it was a guy lamenting about every Batman movie we have to see Thomas and Martha go down, and they showed like every animated live action, everything, every instance of Thomas and Martha going down, and then the movie starts. And the very first thing in the movie is primarily <laughs> being like, come on. <sighs> we don't That's need awesome. that. So, yeah, in this case, they did yeah. They did it right. They didn't give any background on anything. They just, I mean, it was 1990. You had, what, at least two alien, maybe three. I can't remember when Alien Resurrection came out. but Alien Resurrection had, was the late 90s. Yeah, so never mind. Yeah, so they'd only had two alien movies at this point. And then the Predator movie, but... Again, you're not going to buy this if you don't know one or the other or both. Anyway, so well, and this is this is like you said before. This is right up every twelve year old's alley, man. Like we all oh, seen yeah. Predator, we all seen Alien. You go into yeah. the comic shop, you seeing this, and it's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, you're picking this up. Yeah, Dark Horse was was great with some of these IPs. I, I liked them. I, I thought this was a great idea. So, anyway, that's all I have to say about Aliens versus Predator. What um, what do you got for us, Al, for your second? pick uh for my second it's deadpool the circle chase yeah this was when uh this was also 93 you can tell from the cover design because it's the same design style as the saber tooth one now this one wasn't die cut uh no. it did have the original though did have like uh the 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 letters <laughs> deadpool were raised up oh so they did put you know it was a, it was a heavier card stock uh, but you got the banner down the side anyway uh, this was Deadpool's like breakout solo story. Before this, he had been in New Mutants and X Force, uh, and they realized that they had something on their hands here. And so, this story, and this was also uh, the breakout of uh, Joe Madrira, the artist. Um, but this one, uh, the Circle Chase, it's a, it's four issues. It's fun. It's you know, rock'em sock'em action. You got Deadpool. You got Black Tom. Or uh, yeah, it, it's multiple parties all going after the same thing. Whatever the MacGuffin was, I don't remember. Because again, uh, I was more into this for the art. <clears throat> but you do get Juggernaut. 
you get black Tom Cassidy. Uh, you get some great characters, and the art is is amazing. Because, um, like I said, this was Marvel. They had this young artist and decided, well, let's give him a shot. And at the same time, you know, well, we're giving Deadpool a shot, and they both broke out to be huge. Because this is when, like in New in New Mutants and X Force, when Deadpool debuted, he was introduced as the Merc with a Mouth, and he was uh, a smart Alec. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was in this where he they really started to develop more of his voice, so to speak, and get into like the zanier, wackier Deadpool. Um, and really, the, the, the it was a good breakout series for the character. They had a lot of the. It was a lot of fun. So this is when he became more of the Deadpool we know in the movies. Yeah, more of yeah, yeah, more of the modern Deadpool. This wasn't like it wasn't his final form. Um, After this, I think it was Mark. No, Kelly was the writer. Anyway, um, like they really steered down the uh, the comedy path after this, but this was kind of the bridge between where they kind of first got started with that notion leaning into it a bit more nice yeah this so fabian nizian helped with this one too it looks like yep it's and it's classic 90s man because you get oh, yeah. you know bombastic action the you know the the marvel uh you know lean heavy in the art in 90 this was 93 so you know this yep. was when image was was taken off and they were competing with image so they wanted that bombastic, big, bright, flashy art. Jesse, yeah, they went a little too far <laughs> with the fourth wall breaks and yeah. multiple boxes. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. So this this character here on the page I'm on, this guy here looks just like a character in Image called Troll. Almost, I wonder Image had to have copied this because <laughs> I would. Listen, if you're what if you're debating on whether or not Rob Liefeld ripped off a Marvel <laughs> character, you always put money on that. Yeah, because this is he looks identical to the troll character in Image, and this is well, I guess yeah, Liefeld created Deadpool, so this I don't know who this character is, but uh, Nico is that it must be his must be his <laughs> character character name. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if he came from. New Mutants. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I don't recognize that uh, that uh, name at all. But he probably may have been created by uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh man! Yeah, I he, just found a, he looks a like a balding Wolverine that adopted Cable's mo. So here we go. Here's yep. Troll. Yep. Are you, are you sure that looks like the guy from the other one? Like, and then here's this guy. Also, kind of looks like Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> wow, complete you can see this guy, this, guy's, this guy's balding, so it's clearly a different different character. Yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> full head of hair. He oh, yeah, is balding. in yeah, he's in Youngblood. I thought so. Bartholomew J. Troll, created <laughs> so by you. Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, Bartholomew J. Troll created. Uh-huh. Are we seeing Along any similarities? I think Liefeld needs some naming lessons. Oh, right. wow. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, that looks just like the guy from Image, and I couldn't place exactly. So he was on Youngblood. Oh, man. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, as far as this, as far as this book goes, uh, it's, 
you got your MacGuffin. There's one thing that all the characters are chasing after. Everybody wants it. And, you know, their paths intersect and it's fun. It's rock and sock. And like I said, the art's amazing. So it is and right after he, he launched onto uh, Uncanny X-Men. Oh, okay. Joe Med did. And he, he had a good run on Uncanny X-Men for a couple of years. And then he went off to do his own image book. And, uh, and then from there, he went to do uh, video games. Really? Huh. Yeah. Video game design, huh? Video game designer. Yeah. Did did the artwork anyway? Yeah, he wasn't very good uh ultimately at monthly deadlines. Once he got oh. away from Marvel and Marvel editors really haranguing him, he and when he was doing his own book, the uh deadlines got the better of him. Oh Weird. okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. This is awesome. But yeah, very good art. Of- he got a lot of credit for uh, introducing the manga style into American mainstream comics because it was kind of a blend of the two. Mm-hmm. Good amalgamation. But this is yeah. the beginning of the, the Deadpool that we all know. Yep. I wonder, you know, they kind of had him as, I don't know how big he was in, in New Mutants, I guess, at the time. I mean, he's huge now, so we really can't put that into context, but... I wonder what Marvel was thinking about, hey, let's take this, I don't know if he was an A-level character, but or B-level character, and, and give him his own book. There, Well, there was a was New Mutants, I think, 98, if I remember right, was his first appearance. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and that, and bef- like, 97, there was a little bit of a teaser, and 98, he came in, and it was huge. And of course, 98, you had the Liefeld art, and it was that era. And That's true. Yeah, These guys were blowing up. Um, and so there's a lot more exposure on the character, you know, just because of everything going on at the time as well. Sure. But he was, he was the Merc with a mouth and he was a fun character and he looked cool. So, yeah, you know, I, I think they knew what they had. It wasn't, they knew that it wasn't just, you know, because of Liefeld, but at the same time they could do something like this because also because of Liefeld, because, Hey, you liked him in this, you, this was huge. So that's true. Everybody knew who he was. He was fully exposed. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Did you collect a lot of Deadpool back then, Al, or not after this? Uh, if I if anything X, anything. Oh, anything? Okay. X, okay. I would snag <laughs> if I could get my hands on it. I didn't actually. I did not have this book. Uh, a friend of mine did, though. He had the okay. this mini series. Okay. And so, uh, I did read it back then, but you know it was through the loan program at my buddy's place. <laughs> hey, we all did that. We're like, hey, you buy yeah. these, I'll buy these. We'll split yep. the difference. Yep. Did that a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you, you had only some, well, I was thinking, oh, when you were a kid, you had a limited amount of money. I'm like, wait, I'm an adult and I still have a limited amount of money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> all right. How about this uh, Deadpool? Ben, did you read any Deadpool? I didn't collect any Deadpool, so this is all kind of new no, for me. I never. I mean, I I knew who he was, but yeah. I never yeah. really got into it. And I was, like I said in uh, other episodes, I I between Marvel and DC, I was more of a Marvel fan than DC. However, I really got into, you know, like fell head first into image when I really yeah. started collecting comics, and you know, because. Like I said, it was it was independent and different, and I wasn't I wasn't the same as everyone else that was collecting comic books. Although everybody clearly was buying Image in the nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you're not alone <laughs> by any means. But as we found right. out today, if you read Lifefield image stuff, you're reading, you're you're getting Marvel characters anyway. They're just named differently. You know, Bartholomew J. Troll. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And not the same editorial standards. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. Or or you know, time constraints. So yeah, right. you may yeah. or may not get the book. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I, so I was talking to uh, sidebar Matt D over at uh, kids in his comics and we were talking about Valiant comics and I guess they did a crossover with image and death mate. Yep. And the guy from Valiant, I forgot his name flew from New York to California and waited outside Rob Liefeld's house for him to finish the pages because he was so far behind and he kept saying, Oh, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. <laughs> That's and not so, a surprise. Yeah, that that was what uh, I think they did four issues of that, and it the deadlines. The image guys could not maintain deadlines. Yes, and Valiant was real strict. Jim Shooter was real strict on deadlines, and so it was just yeah. driving them insane. So issue, I think their Lifefield did issue five. There was six six in the series. Issue five, but issue six came out before issue five because Lifefield was so late on the deadline. Yeah. Wow. I was like, wow. <laughs> Literally standing outside your house saying, I want the pages. Just send them out to me as you get them done. And we'll start working on them as, as you get them done. Yeah. Jim Shooter's <laughs> an interesting character. If you ever get a chance, read up on Jim Shooter. Okay. Yeah. He got, I did... he got his first job at Marvel when he was like 14. Yeah. That's what yeah. Matt was telling me. I was like, insane. So that's why young Al was writing into Marvel, right? And trying to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, last pick uh, that I have is Age or not Age of Apocalypse, Rise of Apocalypse. Which, by the way, Age of Apocalypse came out before this. Al, you had asked that question. Oh, Age, what? I did. I thought it came out after this, but it didn't. It came out in '95. This came out what? in October of '96. Okay, this is what... you have got to go upstairs and give me this time. <laughs> ben, your mic's on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, we could take that out later. No. <laughs> 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 but yeah so this came out after age of apocalypse i thought it came out before as well but it did not so this you is uh so joe madrira the guy who did the deadpool sorry to interrupt but he uh his art was so influential um and he was huge on the age of apocalypse books on that like that's really where he um really hit his stride after that because he was so popular and of course marvel then said hey give us every artist that looks like they can draw like that. And so you'll, you'll notice a lot of uh, Joe mad influence in this art right here, just because of that. Kind of the long face, uh, the muscles, it's, it's more cartoonish, exaggerated, yeah. almost, you know, like manga eyes and yeah. So this is the origin story of apocalypse. Yeah. Right here on the left, the tut, the very long kind of face, mm -hmm. just, uh, yeah, here's Osmandius in the back. Features. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, just very exaggerated features. And uh, so who doesn't like a good origin story? Everybody wants to know where the villain comes from because he showed up in X-Factor number five, and evidently they didn't. I don't. I didn't go back and read it, so evidently they didn't give much of a, of a backstory on it. But this is written by Terry Cavanaugh and then Adam Polina did the pencils 
he did a lot of work in the mid nineties with Marvel, a lot of work, and then went to dark horse and now he's with Valiant. So apocalypse born about 5,000 years before his first appearance in Egypt. He gets the villagers think he's a freak of nature and they don't, they try to get rid of him, but these, these, uh, Warriors in the in the desert called Sandstormers raid the village right before they're getting ready to get rid of him. And he gets adopted by the leader called Baal. And he's the leader of the roaming raiders and gives him gives Apocalypse the name in Sabanur, meaning the morning light. So that's where his origin story takes place. The so the the reason now you were an X Factor fan, weren't you, Al? I was, yeah. So you did you get the first appearance of Apocalypse or do you remember if No, I didn't. I I wasn't uh on X Factor yet. Yeah, okay. Apocalypse, I remember like later in the run uh you know Apocalypse was a villain that would pop up. Sure. Sure. Yeah, cuz it I guess yeah, you were you were collecting about issue 70 or 60 something like that. I started. Uh, yeah, I got into X Factor. I think in like the the fifties or sixties is when yeah. I jumped on that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this he came. He showed up in issue five. So fun story. They the while writing the first five issues of X Factor, Bob Layton dropped hints of a new villain showing up in X Factor, and Layton intended to reveal the character to be the Daredevil villain Owl. I don't know a lot of Daredevil, but evidently he's one of the villains there. But Layton left Marvel after writing the first four issues and was replaced by Luis Simonson. Mm -hmm. So the editor, Bob Harris said that the character arose because they needed a villain because they teased a villain. And so Luis Simonson <laughs> said, okay, you got it. So he came on board and Bob said, you need to come up with a villain. And Luis Simonson said, I wanted a, a villain on the magnitude of like Magneto. I want a big a class villain. And that's how he came yeah. up with apocalypse. So if, let's see, if, if uh, Bob Layton, oh yeah, if Bob Layton hadn't left, Louise would have not have come up with a, of, uh, uh, come up with Apocalypse. So just wow. by chance. So, Interesting. So just so by accident. <laughs> I didn't watch the, uh, the X-Men Apocalypse movie. Did they? I'm not missing much. Did they pull from this book to, for that movie or? They just had he was in Egypt. I don't remember. I, I watched it kind of passively. Maybe Ben, maybe you paid attention more, but I don't remember them mentioning this this crimson. Let's see, what were they called? The Sandstormers and Baal as no, the leader. They, in the movie, they just they just uh, they made him more. I mean, they they had him start out in Egypt, and he was more worshipped as a god in in yeah. the apocalypse movie and it's because you know he's a mutant that can survive and transfers consciousness and all this stuff but they didn't yeah they didn't introduce any i mean they kind of did they had a, a faction of people that didn't like apocalypse so in the beginning of the movie they tried to they tried to kill him and it didn't work and that's why he was asleep until recently but they didn't like show like all these guys in red and stuff like that and so it was more just like, they're like oh he's old and from egypt and now here's the rest of this crappy movie <laughs> they did call him in Sabanur. They did that was about it. Yes. That that's yeah. probably the only reference. But they kind of show Apocalypse growing up and becoming a teenager, finding out his powers. As you're you know, going through these images, man, the the 90s colors. 
Yeah. We just learned how to do gradients. So there's going to be gradients. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what a gradient is, Al. Gradient is when you go from uh, one shade to another and like, you know, light to dark, like they have like that grayscale in there, I guess. Okay. The, the, the transition. Okay. From, from one bit. So you'll notice like in the sky on this image, you know, how down in the left hand corner, it's dark. And then it goes to it gradually. Okay. Fades up to the light. Then in it, they do that on every muscle and on every face and on every cheekbone and on every sword. And, yeah, it's it's like any effect. It's you know, less is more. Less is more. Right. right. They just found digital coloring uh yeah. in this era. It just and so they wow, they leaned into it hard. Yeah, you're right. This has been ninety six, so it would have been the beginning of digital art. This is probably all digital. I, I assume none of oh, it's yeah. hand drawn. Well the no, it's all hand drawn, well, but the, the yeah. coloring is all digital. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun story because you know, I like an origin story, so I was kind of curious what uh, what is the origin of Apocalypse. And he learned the survival of the fittest from that tribe that he was in, the Sandstormers. That's where the survival of the fittest concept came from. And there's also a appearance by Kang the Conqueror, who time travels with the Fantastic Four. So you had the Fantastic Four show up in this one at the, wow. towards the end, nice. which was a kind of cool little little thing and King, King the Conqueror does some time travel with them. But eventually, of course, Apocalypse takes over. He's rejected by the queen of Egypt and he kind of shows up at her deathbed and says, you know, you shouldn't have rejected me. I was the more powerful one. You know, you kind of rubs it in her face. Of course, that you chose your, <laughs> your father over me. I was the one that, you know, I'm the one that's going to run the place, not you. So, it's kind of a, a rub. I'll see if I can find the, the final frame. I don't know. Did you guys read this at all when it came out? No, I've never even heard of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't think this even existed until you brought it up. Yeah, this... Uh, <laughs> this I, thought, uh, I thought Age of Apocalypse was the first and only... Well, not only appearance, but was like the I, main Apocalypse story. And then he just kind of popped up every now and then here and there. Yeah, I happened to see this, I think, in a magazine. Probably Wizard, I bet you. And I was like, oh, I'm going to pick that up when it comes out. So, and yeah, you can get this in trade. Jesse's 100% right about uh, missing the boat on calling it Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really slept on this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's a good it's one. You Apocalypse can, you... and Charlie Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> he turns into Charlie, he shapeshifts into Charlie Sheen. Or you could do you could do a whole series like you could do a, a sequel you know apocalypse then <laughs> apocalypse then <laughs> apocalypse uh, then and apocalypse now <laughs> that's right yeah uh, so there's a some I don't remember exactly but there's a the the king king tut or the tut the the pharaoh of Egypt has some MacGuffin and of course apocalypse thwarts him and discovers all his powers and. It's it's a fun story, so I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Apocalypse. You get some some backstory on this and his background and where he came from. But anyway, does this does it get into the four having the four horsemen or just his rise to power? Just his rise to power. I don't recall them talking anything about the four horsemen in this one, but uh, 
they really push on the he's rejected by society because he's blue with blue lips and everybody fears him because he's strange looking. And so, you you know, they, they push the feel sorry for him because he keeps getting rejected by everybody. And that's why he lashes out. So do you think Marvel could ever make a character that's a different color than blue, but then is accepted just to really rub it in all the blue characters' faces? Oh, like uh, him I mean, and Nightcrawler? Well, is it because Nightcrawler, Beast, Beast. Mystique, Apocalypse, they all go oh, through a, yeah. oh, I'm blue and nobody likes me. So I'd like to see Marvel create like a like a yellow character that's just like bright fluorescent yellow, and everyone in the world's just like, <laughs> hey, dude, what's up? Hey, you want to come play ping pong? And like Beast and Mystique are like, what the? <laughs> what? He's bright yellow. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's all yeah, right. We don't care. It's we just don't like the blue. Uh, the Thing also had that exact same storyline. I'm an yeah. orange rock. Yeah. Nobody likes me. I'm an outcast from the world. And yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. <laughs> so, like I said, I'd love to see like where they make one where there's like, like the exact same thing, but the, the society's just like, yeah, sure, you're all right. We we yeah, like yellow. Blue. We don't like yeah, blue. We like that color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't like blue. Blue is a sad color. We like yellow. It's a happy color. Right. Uh, We're yeah. all xenophobic towards blue, but yellow's great. Yeah. <laughs> see Jesse X Smurfs. So yeah, the X the Smurfs could be X Men. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I check out check out Rise of Apocalypse. You can get it on trade. It's on Amazon. I think you can get it for like ten dollars. It's it's not too expensive and and check it out. Or if you want to go find the originals. So Ben, I think I checked on this one. So the cover price, I think these were two ninety five. And they're only up four dollars. So, you know, your your Sabretooth one better value than rise of apocalypse you know, you know sometimes you just you just gotta do your research and make the right call when you're doing <laughs> investments like this because uh you know if i'd got apocalypse i would have been out a buck here you have had a whole dollar screwed on, the, on the part of 13 year old ben there that's right right <laughs> yeah yeah so way better investment opportunity to get uh the uh, saber tooth limited series <laughs> Yeah. Than Rise of Apocalypse. So this beats the hell out of the, the Junior Buffett investing club. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Who needs to invest in, you know, like energy companies and, and <laughs> right. banks and yeah. tradable yeah. commodities. No. Yeah. I got four books right here, twenty bucks in my pocket if I right want it. Right now. Right <laughs> <laughs> now. portfolio. The, the Ben Crane investment portfolio. <laughs> right. Oh, That's man. right. All right. Well, hey, that's all I got. So I think we're going to sign off, guys. It's fun talking about limited issues. So we will let you go. Thanks, everybody in the chat and everybody listening later. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See ya.